Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 746th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is learning about collecting the rain and wants to share her journey. We're talking with Renee Dang all about rainwater harvesting. Renee is an author, aspiring homesteader, and researcher who is passionate about self-sufficiency and living off the land. Her goal is to help families feel empowered with their natural resources. She loves to spend time outdoors in North Georgia mountains with her amazing family, making a mess in the kitchen. Harvesting Rainwater for Your Homestead in Nine Days or Less is her first book. Welcome to the show today, Renee. Are you ready to rock rainwater? Yes, I'm super excited. <laughs> awesome. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? A lot of people find me as, and Greg, you found me through as well on Amazon through the book that I wrote mm-hmm. called Harvesting Rainwater for Your Homestead in Nine Days or Less. One, I don't have any experience in rainwater. I wrote this book completely from my own research and interviews that I conducted with tons of people on Facebook and on forums. And they were generous enough to share with me their, their successes and failures and learnings. And going to Home Depot a lot and going to the plumbing store a lot. So there was a lot of learning and putting it all together. There was a point when um, I decided that I wanted to start a business and I have experience in technical writing. I actually have two degrees in engineering and thought this could be a really cool topic to write about. I didn't know anything about it, <laughs> but I wanted to just jump in and get started. And what was interesting was that through my research on the internet was that there's a lot of information about how to get started with your homestead and how to start growing your own vegetables and fruit trees and how to raise your own chickens and how to have solar panels. And then the water question is then the age old question of a lot of people start to buy their land for their homestead, but they 
run into later their well going dry or the stream going dry or they thought that they would catch water but then the tank is non-functional or they just need a backup source of water and so that's i think the next frontier of homestead problems <laughs> uh-huh. yeah and maybe garden problems especially with climate change and water becoming more scarce and even water problems are municipal even are challenging. And so I was thinking, wow, this is a very interesting set of questions that now I'm curious about. And when I ask people what they're going through, it's these people who are struggling with their own water source on their property. And they just bought $100,000 property, but now they don't have water and now they need help to get water for their property and ask a lot of questions and put it all together in a book. And that's why we're talking today. <laughs> wow. Sounds like you were inspired by people's challenges of water. And what actually got you to the place of picking rainwater harvesting? Yes. So in your introduction, <laughs> and in my introduction, even, I say that this is Renee Dang's first book, but it's certainly not Renee Puvada, which is my name not my real name, her first book. <laughs> and so I actually have written several books in the past and they're based on personal experiences and wanting to just see what it'd be like to make money on the internet. A lot of people want to do that, but those did not go anywhere. <laughs> I had to learn a lot about collecting data on what people are actually interested in learning and what they're actually willing to exchange money for and what they're uh-huh. wanting to buy. And I was wanting to figure out, okay, so of all the topics that we still need solutions for, that we're still creating step-by-step solutions for people still struggling with, what do I have an interest in? And I started a journey of that age-old story of money and freedom and fear and overcoming those stories that we tell ourselves after I graduated from grad school and was starting a job and was wanting to learn how to save money and was learning how, oh, there's things like energy efficient homes and green construction and how you can actually use the sun to your advantage and how you can use shade to your advantage. I was like, this is brilliant. And My brain loves to think in terms of efficiency as well. And I guess that comes from my engineering background. And then over, I guess over the course of time, realized that rainwater harvesting was was just one part of the puzzle into a solution of a home that was resilient and nature mimicking. And I was like, okay, yes, I don't know anything about this, but this is something I could love to learn about and something that I think a lot of people would love to learn about. But I think as as well, I also was wanting to try out myself and learn by doing, but I think over time, spent a lot more time researching and writing about it instead of doing it. And so a lot of the time I've spent was through interviewing people who have done it and learning from them and putting all those learnings, like a collective learning into the book that I created. Yeah, it comes from that place of wanting to take advantage of what we have and using our natural resources, getting back to our roots, have a lot of interest in natural holistic wellness as well. And Uh just, just trying to find ways to repeat what was working in the past and 
what is that delta from what was working in the past to what's not working now? Why aren't we doing those things now? Why are we still relying so much on municipal water when I never even thought what was in municipal water until I started researching this stuff? And it's a beautiful book. I actually ordered a copy. So I'd have it here in front of us for, for our conversation here. You've put a lot of work into this. I did. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a beautifully laid out book with graphics. Who did your graphics for you? I have a friend through some of the book publishing friends I have. She is based in Germany and she, yeah, she did all my layout in InDesign. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And what was the most inspiring thing that you got out of doing this book? The best part about writing the book was the people I got to meet and the stories that I collected and now get to tell. So I met this amazing woman. Her name is Lorelai and I include her in the acknowledgments. And I was really struggling with the plumbing part of rainwater harvest. I didn't even mm-hmm. realize that you would have to have this whole other set of skills to put your water tank together. And I met her on Facebook. We connected instantly because she was like, yeah, I've done all sorts of handy women projects in the past myself. And she's a nurse. And at the time I was working as an engineer in healthcare system in nursing quality. And so we bonded over that. And we were both just bonding over, hey, I went to this plumbing store. Oh, I went to Home Depot. I found this out. I need this check valve. And I wanted this thing. And we were just talking. And it started out with rainwater harvesting. But eventually it got to how she she told me her story of how she and her family, her husband had lost her job after COVID. And they were starting anew. It was like a transformation story of they're starting their homestead in Texas, but they were going to lay a pipe or buy a pipe from that was municipal water, but they didn't have the money for it. It turned out the quote was about like $20,000 for a municipal pipe. um, They would have to do what they could. So they decided, Hey, we're going to harvest rain with what we can find. And that was a story that I found quite often, actually, as I started interviewing more people on Facebook that you buy the land, but then you realize post haste that the water you thought was going to be there wasn't there. And um, there was just this evolution of how she figured out how to put this rain barrel together that was taking off water from the roof of, they were transitioning from the RV. And there was just like this arc of, they finally figured out how to do it. And it was really amazing. And her story and her plans and her advice is included in the book. And that was only because of her generosity that she, I was able to do that. Nice. It sounds like you had a lot of fun doing this. Yeah, there was, there's a lot of fun. And of course there's moments of when you're like, oh my gosh, when is this going to end? I don't know if this is ever going to pay off. Yeah. Yeah. And so you mentioned a couple of things I want to circle back around on. You've mentioned Home Depot twice now. What are you finding at Home Depot that has anything to do with rainwater harvesting? Yes. The questions that kept coming to me. So I have a Facebook group and they were asking me, so what pump do I need and what size pipes do I need? And so I'm not, I don't know, I'm a plumber or a plumbess. (laughs) So the only thing I know what to do is to go to Home Depot and look through the aisles and and that's also one of the most accessible places that people go to when they're mm, building their homestead. Mm-hmm. 
Lowe's, Home Depot, you know, the hardware stores that are close by. And you don't know when you're looking on Northern Tool for a pump, there's all these specs and you're like, I don't know what to buy. I just figured if someone wants to just set up a rainwater harvesting system for their vegetable garden, something so quick and something seemingly easy, and they just want to pick up a pump at their local hardware store, which aisle do I need to go to and how much pressure do I need? What flow rate do I need? Just help me pick one out. And it's, they want it to be simple. So that's where I wanted to come in and do that for them. And mm-hmm. them. Nice. Yeah. And the other thing you used a term that's dear to my heart, nature mimicking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tell me where you came up with that term and give me a little bit of background on that. Cause it's, oh. uh, that's yeah. huge conceptually. The first time I actually ever heard that word was in like material science 101 in college. And at the time I was wanting to, so I majored in material science in college and undergrad. And at the time I was wanting to, or at least the thought was I was going to be a, like a bio tissue engineer. I would design tissues to help burn patients. I had volunteered at the burn unit in Grady hospital, which is a trauma hospital in Atlanta where I'm from. And I thought this would be a really cool way to use my interests with health and well-being and healthcare and creating solutions for people. And that term nature mimicking or biomimicry was used a lot. And Mm -hmm. so when I started growing an interest in gardening and permaculture and in homesteading and getting back to how we, how things are done and how we can use nature to our advantage, that word came up again in, in the circles was how can we get things to, especially in permaculture where you're, you don't want to have to continue trimming and doing all the things you want it to work on itself. And it came up again. And not only that, but one of the books that I love is essential rainwater harvesting by Michelle Avis and Rob Avis. And they take a permaculture perspective on rainwater harvesting and want a rainwater harvesting system for your property to to mimic the rain flow and the rain uh, capture and the rain accumulation of a resilient property. And they use that word too. Mm-hmm. I love that word. Nice. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And so let's actually transition over to your book a little bit. You describe rainwater harvesting in seven easy to follow steps in your book. What are they? Oh, yes. The seven easy to follow steps. And I wanted to create seven easy steps. And sometimes people will be like, this is actually five steps or it's nine steps, but this is just easy to understand. And when I was talking to a lot of people, I think there was just this confusion about which step I should do first. Then they're like building the, the system on their property. And then their nosy neighbor peeks their nose up over the fence and says, did you know you're not supposed to do that here? And then they're like, wait, no, I now have to go back and learn the rules of my area. And if you're going to build a rainwater harvesting system, know what your constraints are before you build so that you can find out all those rules and things like that first. The steps would be one, I want you to learn the legalities of your locality first. And I want you to actually double check that, that it's actually real Because even on Facebook or even my neighbors were like, you're writing a book on rainwater harvesting. Don't you know that's illegal here in Georgia? And that's not at all true. 
There's and a lot of there's a lot of stories made up about it, isn't there? There are. It's actually rampant. And it's actually one of the first things people will say when I say, hey, I'm writing a book on rainwater harvesting or I'm talking about rainwater harvesting. Their story immediately is, oh, you can't do that. You can't. And I want you to make sure that's actually true. Yeah. There's rampant stories. Hold on. Before you go past that, mm-hmm. how many states in the United States is it actually illegal to harvest rainwater? Zero. Zero. Very good. Zero. Yes. Cool. Now, I know that Colorado is very restrictive. Are they the most restrictive state? I would say uh, recently, I would say Utah is probably more restrictive than Colorado. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I have a, a friend who has a property in Colorado in 2016. They recently passed a law saying you can harvest rainwater for your property if your only other source of water is a well and you're supposed to only harvest rain off your own roof and that's what he and his family do in Colorado so I know that for a fact and in Utah I don't think you can harvest that much rainwater but I think Utah is still a little more strict it's it's changing and it's changing rapidly I would say good good so if you're in the United States you can harvest rainwater in every state that is correct Woohoo! All right. Number two. Yes, number two. Okay, so I then talk about the basic components of the rainwater harvesting system. And you just need to learn what those are, which are your roof, your conveyance, which is your like your gutters and your pipes to the rain tank, your screens and your filters for the tank, the storage tank itself, the foundation for the tank, which I think a lot of people forget about. And then their tank is sinking into the ground, (laughs) into the mud. So you need that foundation and make sure that it doesn't sink and ruin the foundation of even your property because the build or even your home, a lot of tanks are next to the home. So make sure that's there. The vent for your storage tank, the overflow outlet, and some other things, which include a first flush system and the pump that you would use to bring it into your home. So are you bringing it into your home? Are you only talking about bringing rainwater into the home or using it in landscape as well? So both. And yeah, so for landscape there, that's why the pump is optional. And so a lot of people think that, oh, I need a pump. I need a pump. But even Brad Lancaster is a great proponent of using what are called earthworks and passive moldings of the land to use the land to your advantage to move water across the land for landscaping. And you don't always have to bring into your home. People use a pump to feed a hose that they can water their vegetable gardens. You definitely don't need a big pump either. So there are many right. options for you. Cool. All right. And number three. Number three. So you're going to then decide what you're going to use for your rainwater, meaning you don't have to use it for inside the home. You're going to decide, am I going to use it outside the home? Am I going to use it inside the home? And if so, am I going to drink or bathe with my rainwater? Because each of those options is going to determine basically how much you're going to spend on your rainwater harvesting system. And I don't want people who are just starting to water their vegetable garden to think that they have to spend $10,000 on their rainwater harvesting system when you don't have to whatsoever. So keep it simple and keep it simple in terms of cost, complexity, all those things. So decide that. And then number four, 
is you are going to learn the basics of rainwater harvesting safety and use. So essentially there are several rules or basics that help you learn how much water you can collect and how much your climate, how much you can predict your climate will be able to collect. So if you're going to collect water for inside your home, then you're probably going to want to know how much water you need and you and your family need. So I go through a table in the book of, and you don't have to do any calculations, just how much water you need and will my climate be able to support that? Because otherwise, if you can't, then you can have your, you'll need a backup system, trucked in water, water, whichever. Cool. And here's what we're going to do now. Okay. For five, six, and seven. Yeah. We're going to encourage people to buy your book. Yes. And discover what they are. How about if we do that? That sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. Yes. All right. And I have a question here that you pitched over to me. What is one thing you want a beginner to know about rainwater harvesting to simplify it for them? Yes. So I want you to know that it is simpler than you think it is. And I want you to know that you can do this, but you don't need a complex system of calculations or formulas or all this knowledge of pipes and plumbing, you can set up just a rain barrel in your yard and you can just attach your gutter to a rain barrel and you are harvesting rain. And you can say, I'm a rainwater harvester. It's actually a lot more simple than I think a lot of people think. And that's really the goal of the book is to empower people to get started, get messy, get their hands dirty and just begin. Nice. Yeah. And you have an epic moment where you helped a widow get empowered. <laughs> okay. Yes. I went to Hawaii in January, actually on a scouting trip, you could say. I met these amazing um, people online, Archer and Tilo. They run a rainwater harvesting company on Hawaii, the big island. And for those listening, on the big island of Hawaii, about 50% of the people there actually live off rainwater. I knew that. Yes. And they don't have any other sources of water. They, with the island being volatile with the volcano, laying municipal pipe is challenging, surrounded by seawater. Essentially, rain is one of the cheapest and most accessible ways to get water. But with that comes a lot of challenges because a lot of people don't necessarily know all those ground rules and ground basics that are explained in the book, by the way, (laughs) to keep their water safe and clean and healthy. And so when I went to Hawaii and I got to travel with Tilo as he was going around to the different tanks around and servicing them. And one of our trips was to meet this lady who was basically restarting her homestead because her husband had died recently. And she doesn't know anything about rainwater harvesting. She had relied on her husband and she doesn't know anything about pumps and she's drinking her water. She doesn't really know if she should be, but we go and we see that her tank is that translucent green color that is not covered in opaque we put the ladder against the tank and climb up and we unscrew the lid and we peek in and it's just filled with algae and she's been drinking it for months at this point. Now, a lot of people will say algae is not bad for you and maybe that's true, but in the jungle, (laughs) algae is 
a prime source of food and everything you can imagine is growing in that algae and she's getting sicker and sicker. We told her you can do very quick things. You paint your tank, get that sun out of there. And that was probably that first enlightening moment where she realized she can do things. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have to be the expert at rainwater harvesting at this very moment, but here are the things that you can do now. And later the next day she showed up at the office, our uncle Tilo's office, and we told her a lot more about it. She became a lot more curious about how she could be more empowered with her health, with her water. And just got really excited and got her face lit up because I don't, I think there was a lot of shame involved. Mm. You're drinking your water. You don't have any other really source of water, but you're just, you're afraid to admit that you don't know. And that feeling of, we get you. I didn't know anything either. We, you don't have to be an expert. You're just where you're at. And here's what you can do now. And here is, here's uncle Tila who can help you in the future. It was, her face was lighting up. She was smiling again. That was an amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. And that's a big reason I do this podcast. I recently had somebody contact me and said, they've been listening to the podcast for several years and they went out and bought a homestead because of it. I inspired them. So when we make those kind of connections, it's just, it's epic. It's like, why we do what we do, right? Yes, yes. And it's the actually the real gold, I would say, despite everything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do you have any other books coming? Yes, actually, yes, yes. After I wrote this book, so this first book is that first, I've never set up my own system before. Tell me what to do, Renee. What are the steps I need to follow? And And once you finish setting up your system, you're probably going to have some things to do afterwards, which are making sure that your water is clean, especially if you're going to be drinking it and using it inside the home. In Hawaii, that is probably the number one problem, I would say, is people have their tank set up. That's not a problem whatsoever. But keeping it clean, keeping it healthy is a whole other set of knowledge and skills unto itself. And that is what book two is going to be about. All right. Good. Yeah. Awesome. And thinking back of what you said about her tank in Hawaii, it was filled yeah. with algae. Yeah. I thought I saw on your website that you have a document about IBC totes. Yes. I Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, do we need to be spray painting them? Do we need to be painting the, yeah. so the, the sun can't get in? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, a lot of people don't, and I am surprised that they don't do that, but it's only a matter of time really until that sun gets in and sun plus water equals algae and algae can clog your pipes. It can be a source of food for other things, which you really don't want to get into your water, such as snails. And once you get snails, you get frogs. Once you get frogs, you get rats and the chain goes down and yeah, if you're going to get an IBC toe, get a black one or paint it or cover it with a sheet is what mm-hmm. I would recommend. Yeah. All right, cool. Because I just bought four IBC totes to rain rainwater harvest here in Asheville. So that's great. That's fantastic. Those are the most accessible, most common tanks around. They're so right. inexpensive. They're great. Just make sure you cover them. <laughs> All right. Good. Yeah. Good. And so if somebody wanted to find your book, where do we find it at? 
Okay, yes. So the book is primarily on Amazon. If you're going to buy one for yourself and your family, get it on Amazon. You can also request it on Barnes and Noble. You can also request it at any major retailer. It's available through wholesaler distributors. If you want that, you know, one or two days, Amazon is your best bet. And you can also request it through Barnes and Noble or wherever your books are sold. Great. Cool. And your website so that we can download the document IBC totes. Yes, it is reneedang.com. And I'm currently in an overhaul. It definitely needs to be updated, but reneedang.com, that's R-E-N-E-E-D-A-N-G.com is where you're going to find that document that's going to give you not only the, the trick on how to keep your IBC tote free of algae, but also there's some other tricks and tips on there to keep your rainwater clean for not just your home, but also your garden as well. Cool. Awesome. So I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you learned from it. Yeah. So my failures, there's so many, which one do you choose? But probably the one I will choose to talk about for this audience would be that this is not Renee Puvada's first book. This is Renee Dang's first book. And I started writing books a few years ago, really when the pandemic hit and wanted to start writing and start selling things. But all of those books flopped. That was one book after another, boom, boom, dead. (laughs) And you start wondering, is this even for me? Is chasing my dreams a reality? But after going through soul searching and realizing that there's a world of people who do need help outside of myself, and not only that, but even though I don't have experience rainwater, I have learned so much that I am more than capable of, of being an advocate for others to, to be empowered with their water. That learning has been way more worth than, than all those failures combined. And just being able to have a book that gets to reach a lot of people has meant the world to me. And it had a lot more to do with courage and peeling back the layers of fear more than I would say doing the right thing or the right strategy necessarily. Awesome. And what do you consider your biggest success? My biggest success, I would say, is not necessarily related to my job or career, but more business. But my family is one of the most important things in my life. But I think maybe a lot of people would relate to growing up in a family that wasn't necessarily filled with affection or home that wasn't filled with affection. You're walking on eggshells all the time. Your emotions are not real. You don't have the vocabulary to find happiness at home. And when I went to college, it was an escape from home. So only recently after lots of work and with working with my mom and my husband and therapy, couples therapy, there was a, the shift in our family and trimming back on the pieces of our family that were causing a lot of suffering. And only now, a couple of weeks ago, we had Chinese new year. And there was that, that, that crowded table feeling of when you're just supported by people who love you and are, it's filled with laughter and affection that is priceless and something that I consider my most successful thing to date by far. So your personal growth. 
for sure yeah i have to concur with that yeah that that is a big piece of growing up good on you and what drives you I think a lot of all people can also relate to that voice in their head that says, am I good enough? Am I doing the right thing? Can I, should I continue doing the same thing that I've been doing? But every time I have talked with people about rainwater harvesting, about this book and about this topic, I've always been met with an overflow of excitement, enthusiasm, welcoming, connection, and it's those stories that I've collected over time that I get to tell now of Lorelai's story of that lady in Hawaii, of other people who were able to save enough money to finally buy their first homestead and they figured out the solar panels, but now they need to figure out their water part and getting to meet them. That connection, that flame to flame feeling mm-hmm. is everything. And it quiets that feeling of fear every time to be able to connect with people every day is just incredible. Yeah. Nice. Good job. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Yes. So I recommend, and I mentioned this before, but the essential rainwater harvesting by Michelle and Rob Avis, I recommend this book to basically anyone who's beyond the basics of rainwater harvesting. So my book is answers questions like what tank do I need? What, where do I even buy it? How much is it going to cost me? And those were questions that I realized people didn't even know the answer to, but the book is also only on dry above ground systems. And there's a whole slew of other kinds of systems that you can build underground that can withstand freezing climates. And essential rainwater harvesting does provide the blueprint to be able to create any kind of system for any climate. I have people from Wisconsin, Nebraska, Canada, who are saying this above ground system isn't helping me in February. And I knew that was gonna be the case, but, and that's what probably further books are going to be about. But in the meantime, the Avis's book is all about a resilient, biomimicking, nature-mimicking, permaculture-based rainwater harvesting system that is as natural and clean and safe as possible and is, I reference it all the time. Awesome. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? This is the pot calling the kettle black, but this is also something I tell myself every day and want to hear other people say again and again, because you saying it helps it being repeated back to you. But if there's a project that you're working on, if there's a transformation that you're going through and you have those feelings of doubt, those thoughts of doubt and worry, you're spending all this time and energy and money to creating that life for yourself and that transformation yourself, don't give up. Please don't give up because this world needs not just knowledge. It needs enthusiasm. It needs advocates. It needs people who are just excited to talk about fruit trees and urban farming and rainwater harvesting. And even though you may think that you're not qualified, (laughs) other people are just going to be excited by your own excitement. And you are more than qualified. You're more than capable. Don't give up. Keep walking. Keep going through the fire. You deserve it. 
Amen to that. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Renee. Thank you. Thank you so much, Greg. You bet. How can our listeners get a hold of you? Yes. So the best way is through my email at Renee at ReneeDang.com. I also have a Facebook group, have a Facebook page, author Renee Dang, and you can find my website, ReneeDang.com. Have fun. And that's where I'll be. And I'm currently building up my socials and everything. And, but that's where you can find me for right now. <laughs> nice. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash Renee Dang. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.